You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. That's good. I don't think we can show that video anymore before I get up to preach because it puts me in an emotional spot and... I remember sitting at that conference two years ago, bawling my eyes out as people prayed over me to go to Bloomington, and here I am, and it's weird. It's weird. It's like a perspective shift to remember back to that, and now the Lord's brought us here, and we have actual students, which is insane. Like, never, if you would have asked me seriously, did I ever think we'd have any students in Salt Lake IU, I would have said no, and they exist. So, yes, I'm asking for your money to send them to conference, because it's a big deal. Um, and great investment of your dollars, and I keep giving away free tickets, so the money's got to come from some somewhere, people, and it's this room. Um, Critter did not make it out this morning. He's from Louisiana, and it snowed four days ago, so he's not here. Um, just kidding. He's at one of our other churches in the Salt Network family. He's at Mercy Hill, which is in Cincinnati, which just is even more new than us, um, they just launched this past year, and one of his best friends is the lead pastor there, actually. So he's preaching for him and just doing the right thing, filling in for a brother. So you get me. Um, here's, yeah, wow, thanks. <laughs> that's, aw- that's actually super encouraging. Um, I'm just going to jump in with this illustration. Did you know that an elephant can smell water 12 miles away? Water doesn't even have a smell. And it can smell water. Like, it, has, it knows it needs to get water, and it's got this huge trunk. Like, I don't really know how they measure, like, something's ability to smell, but it, it kept saying, like, they just have this many DNA sensors, and obviously an elephant has a lot. Also, a bear can smell a dead animal up to 20 miles away. That's crazy. That's Martinsville. That's like me standing here, and it's like... I think there's something dead in Martinsville. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny and true. Like, that's crazy. I can't smell anything, not because of COVID, because I'm a human. Like, we had this dead mouse in our house one time. It took forever for us to even know there was a dead mouse. B, I'd never smelled a dead mouse really before, and so it was like, babe, I don't know. I don't know what it is, and I don't know where it's coming from, but it was awful, and it was like, okay, it just got more and more awful, so we'd be in our bedroom, it's like, I know, I know, it's right here, like, or, or I'm in the vent, like, I don't know, I don't know, eventually, like, the stench got so bad, like, we figured out, like, maybe it's in the attic, but that seems crazy that it's coming through just drywall and wood to get into our nostrils like that. Sure enough, it was up there, and, like, my smell is so bad, like, I'm in the attic, and I can't even, it's, like, 20 inches from my face, and it's, like, I'm digging through insulation to find this mouse. Anyways, why do I say this? Um, in this text, I think we're going to see this, this, um, this situation that's, that's pretty tense, like, uh, Paul's going to confront Peter to his face, and it's, it's this, this call-out if you will. IU has these call-out meetings. I still don't quite understand what they're for. They're for IU clubs. They like, they call out things. They say, here's our club. Come join. 
this is what I think of as a call-out meeting, like, Peter, you're in the wrong, and you're, you're standing condemned, and I'm going to call you for it. That's what's happening in this text, and Paul has this, like, this sniffer on him that's, like, really sensitive to any level of hypocrisy or falseness in line with the gospel. I think I don't have that. I don't think any of us in this room really have the sensitivity sniffer of Paul when it comes to hypocrisy, but I, I want us to just take a step towards recognizing in our own lives and the lives of those that we would call our brothers and sisters, like, hypocrisy exists, and it's actually pretty detrimental to our mission of getting the gospel out in this city and on that campus. And so I want us to take a step towards bears and elephants, if you will, when it comes to our ability to just, man, there's like a dead animal in here, and it's, it's not good. If we let it just stink up the room, no one's going to come to this place because it smells terrible, right? I want, to, I want us to go towards Paul, towards this interaction he has with Peter, and learn something from it. So uh, if you got a Bible, we've been in, in Galatians 2, and that's where we'll um, pick up. Last week, Critter talked about um, legalism, and the, the topic of legalism doesn't necessarily get dropped in this, but this idea of hypocrisy kind of comes at this legalism in Peter in, in kind of a new way, and I'll, I'll explain the difference as we we get in, but I want us to just, just get a little uncomfortable. Like, do we even smell it? Like, do I even recognize the hypocrisy that exists in my heart, in my life, in my church that I'm like glad hopefully to be a part of? I think we're, we're super content with our hypocrisies. And so anyways, that's, that's the focus. Galatians 2, uh, starting in verse 11, if you got a Bible. Uh, we're going to get all the way through 21, but I'm just going to read 2, 11 through 14 to start us. It says, but when Cephas, and this is Peter, so I'm just going to keep saying Peter. Um, that's, if you got a Bible that says Peter, great. If you don't, it's Peter. But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with Gentiles before certain men came from James. Now, Gentiles, non, like, no fear of God, different family line than the Jews, right? But these Judaizers, which Critter's already talked a bit about, came to uh, where, where Peter was, and Peter started to, to change what, what he was doing. Keep reading. When these people came, verse 12, he withdrew and separated himself from those Gentiles because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. There's that word. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Peter in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? That's a, that last sentence is a little weirdly worded. But what he's saying is, Peter, you don't even hold to those customs anymore. I've seen you. You used to eat with the Gentiles, and now all these people are here, and so you're, you're living in fear, and you, you don't eat with them anymore? What's going on here? I'm going to oppose this rightfully so, because it's not in line with the truth of the gospel that you yourself, Peter, have come to know as true. Even Barnabas, you know, people that like that, where it's like, man, even Critter was led astray by this Peter. What are you doing? Even Sidney Jones, the godliest person in the embassy church. <laughs> even her. No. What's going on here? Have you ever opposed someone to their face or been opposed to your face? It's actually kind of rare nowadays in like a healthy way. Um, most of the time we like oppose people behind their back or with our thumbs. Um, I was trying to think, like, 
there's a lot of examples I could actually think of of people opposing me to my face, rightfully so. But I, I wanted to share one of when I oppose someone to their face. So the other day, um, we were, not the other day, maybe about a month, month and a half ago, we were having like this staff meeting. And I'm just going to let the cat out the bag. I'm the one that's been promoting meet and greet time for years. Since we planted embassy, I was like, there's people here I don't know. They come every Sunday, but if they don't sit by me, and even if they do, there's no opportunity for me to like meet them unless I go out of my way to, to meet them. I think we should do it once. And it was like deaf ears. Like, ah, that's a stupid idea. Shut up. Fi like, finally, I just get more and more forceful. Like, I think we should do it once. And I certainly never called it howdy time. That is the... <laughs> That sounds like a thing that someone from the South would make up. Amen? Um, but I, I, got, I got opposition. And so Jessica Kearney, who's the newest member on staff, is like, I don't think we should do it. <laughs> she, yeah, she hates it. I said, I hate you. Sit down. We should do it. No, I, I said, no, I think like, I, I, she was opposing me to my face. So much so that even Bree, even Bree was led astray by her insanity. Anyways, that's a, maybe you don't think meet and greet time matters. Maybe you do. Uh, it doesn't really matter. What matters is this, this is what's happening. Paul is like the man. And then Peter is like the man. And Paul's going at Peter. If you've read Acts, like half the book's about Peter and half's about Paul, pretty much. And they're, they're in opposition over what? Over Peter's what Paul calls hypocrisy. Now, why is this hypocrisy and not something else? Let's, what's going on? As I said, Peter was eating at one time with Gentiles, with whoever. He had seen that the, the ceremonial laws, like they were fulfilled in Christ. And so food doesn't make me unclean, right? What family I was born in, that doesn't save me. But now these these Judaizers that still kind of believe that stuff because it's deeply ingrained in Peter and Paul's own tradition come along and Peter's like, well, yeah, like, I'm used to running with this crowd. So when they come, even though I don't really think this stuff saves you anymore, like, ah, uh, I don't know. It's, it, I'm in this weird spot of fear and social pressure. But Paul recognizes what this communicates right, when, when Peter gives into this, and so he, he calls him on it. And this is Peter, mind you, that in Acts 10, we just walked through Acts, conveniently enough, if you've been with us, you know, and maybe can remember, or you're just familiar with the book of Acts, Acts 10, Peter's the guy that God sends a vision to, to go to Cornelius, who's a Gentile, and bring the gospel, like, Peter's like the guy that preaches the gospel first to, like, the people that aren't Jews. And it, it dawns on Peter wait, nothing's unclean if God calls it clean. Like, this, this is kind of silly. Like, what we've been doing to, to, like, be set apart was God's way of fulfilling in Christ all of these, these laws that are meant to show us that God is holy, and yet it's been fulfilled. And so the, the gospel's for everybody. Peter's like the guy that was one of the first guys to understand this. And one of the first guys to uh, start to not act in line with, with this belief. This is Acts 10. This is Peter's words. Now I truly understand that God does not show favoritism 
all the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes receives forgiveness of sin. This is Peter pre this situation in Galatians. And some think that this, this con- confrontation that, that's happening is actually before the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 where they kind of make a decision about all this legalism stuff. Like, hey, do like people need to, you know, keep holding to some of these customs? And it's like, no. And so Peter's one of the guys at the Jerusalem Council. I don't know. He's probably on the side now with having been confronted by Paul. And it's like, no. Forget that. Like, Jesus came to put an end to sin and death and hell, and it has nothing to do with our ability to hold to certain customs. What is hypocrisy? If you, if you think of it this way, um, you can kind of think of it in comparison to like lostness and legalism and then hypocrisy. Lostness is like wrong belief and wrong action, okay? Um, I use money maybe as an, as an easy example. A wrong belief about money would be it can satisfy and save me and give me everything that my heart longs for, right? That'd be a wrong belief, which then probably leads to the, the wrong action. Well, then I'm going to stake my life on it, you know? Everything I do is going to be in the pursuit of this. That would, we would just call that lost. Legalism is a lot trickier, right? Legalism is right action but still wrong belief. So my belief about money that I might get tripped up is like, man, I think that God really cares about my giving such that he thinks differently whether I do or don't give. Like if I tithe, that makes me a good person and then God is maybe indebted to me because I'm good. He owes me heaven. Or at least surely. Right action I tithe. I'm generous. (laughs) Wrong belief. That saves me. Hypocrisy is probably even trickier. It's right belief with wrong action. So my belief would be, man, money can't save me. God's given me everything I already have. I'm just a steward of it. It's actually more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus has already given me everything. So an adequate response might be, you know, a little bit of generosity. I believe all that stuff. And no, I don't tithe. That, that actually is real. Like, and money is just the example I use. But think about anything that you'd say, yeah, I believe that. And no, I don't live. Like, it's really actually hard for me to follow through. That, that's hypocrisy. Right belief. Peter. Nope. God doesn't show favoritism. Food doesn't make you clean or unclean. We're all unclean apart from Christ, and Christ makes us all clean. But he doesn't really sit with those guys anymore when the, the Jews come around, right? Paul calls it rightly hypocrisy. This is um, maybe use a non-spiritual example like of hypocrisy in my own life. I believe that if I never ate McDonald's again, I would feel better and my life would end better. <laughs> and if you came and asked me, hey man, you wanna run through McDonald's after church? I would probably say, yeah, that sounds great. Like, am I a hypocrite? I think, yeah, I think like it's fair to say definitionally I am totally a hypocrite in that area. 
my beliefs and my actions, there's like this weird disconnect. And some would say, well, you don't really believe then that your life would be better without McDonald's. It's like, no, I really do. I really think it's bad for me. And I still do it. That's, this is kind of the Christian life. Um, and Paul calls it that, he says, you've deviated. They were, verse 14, when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, this is what hypocrisy is. I know the truth of the gospel. And yet, well, I've deviated from it. This is, Christian maturity then is like right belief and right action for sure. But isn't, isn't that like essentially what sanctification is? I think Critter's going to teach on some of this next week. But essentially what happened when I came to know Jesus in college was something crazy changed on the inside. And now the rest of my life is getting my external actions to align with that insane change that I have no explanation for other than the grace of God. My whole life is going to be this hypocrisy trip where I'm, I'm trying to deviate less from what I know is true. And here's the thing, hypocrisy is ugly. Hypocrisy is probably a large reason why I wasn't a Christian sooner. It's probably a large reason why my parents aren't, you know? Our actions, regardless of our right beliefs, say something to everyone else about those beliefs. And it, hypocrisy, if nothing else, is like a full disclosure, rampant in this room. <laughs> the person to your left and right, like for sure, could be definitionally labeled as a hypocrite. Almost especially so if they actually have really right beliefs about the gospel, and I hope they do. This is the, the bridge. Um, the tension I want us to sit in before we move to the, the second half of this, this text is like, if Paul was to open those doors <laughs> and call you on some of your hypocrisy, what would it be for? I just mentioned money, but... I want to give you time to actually think, like, man, there's stuff I believe, and there's actions that I do, and they don't line up. And so, just sit in that. What is that? For me, as a pastor, I tell you I sit in this place all the time. Every sermon I preach, you realize, is a sermon that I cannot perfectly adhere to. So every time I teach about money, or love, or anything I have to remind myself of the gospel the, the, the whole way through because it's like wait do I actually believe this stuff like yeah I do but do I actually adhere fully no I don't should I even be a pastor <laughs> one of my convictions is that God uses even the most broken and so here I am in place of critter. What is it for you? But if Paul comes in here and he just goes off, which he wouldn't do because he doesn't have a level of trust that he has with Peter, right? With all of us. He, he's not just going to do that to a total stranger and riff on you like that. I don't think. Look at how he handles this confrontation in, in the second part of this text. 
verse 15, Galatians 2. This is what he starts saying to Peter. <clears throat> we are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? Peter, hey, we know this. We're Jews. We're not even Gentiles. But even we know none of that stuff saves us. Even we, the best of the best in society and in God's religious hierarchy, know that it's only by faith in Jesus Christ, and thus we ourselves have believed. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no human being will be justified. Again, telling him all stuff Peter already knows. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. Is Christ a promoter of sin because this whole room is full of sinners? Absolutely not. However, if I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. For nothing. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't just tear Peter down, give, you know, rip him a new one, open up a can. No. Nor does he even talk about consequences. Like, Peter, I don't think you should be an elder anymore at the church in Antioch, dude. You're a hypocrite. There's going to be punishment. No. There, there is consequences for sin, and there is sometimes rightful, like, I don't know. He promotes Christ and the gospel. Like he's just heaps it on. He's that magnified Christ song. I haven't even heard that before. It lines up great with this text. Good job, Eric. He essentially reminds Peter of the belief he already knows. <laughs> like if hypocrisy is right belief and wrong action, Paul just is like focusing back in on the right belief and trusting that by the grace of God that will someday lead to right action, less deviation, the gospel period. Belief is weird, you know? And it, it seems as if what's happening in this text is Paul's come to this deeper belief than Peter about this issue, right? Like this, we don't know like what Paul would have done in this situation or what vantage he had into Peter's life, but it's certainly a conviction of Paul's that <laughs> we are not justified by works, therefore our actions should communicate that to everyone. It's this conviction, right? Has something for you ever moved from like, yeah, I believe that, to like, that's a conviction of mine. Again, my hope as I mature in faith is that the things that I believe by faith right now that I that don't discredit would eventually become convictions that I actually like live my life by. Give me an example of by the grace of God, one of those things like Bible, Bible reading. For me, as soon as I became a Christian, it made total sense. Like, yep, I don't have a basis for truth. This is it. I should read my Bible. It was just a belief, though. There was no pattern. There was no habit in my life of doing that. Now it's like a conviction. Like, I know my mind is getting filled with garbage all day long. I must renew it somehow. 
this is the best tool I have. I will read it. It has moved deeper. But I love in this text by the end, it's almost as if Paul's not even talking to Peter anymore, just preaching to himself. You realize that? Like, even his pronouns change. For though I died to the law, through the law I died to the law, so I might live for God. I've been crucified. He's, he's just preaching to himself. I love it. Paul is himself a hypocrite. He says it countless other times in his, in his writings, right? Like, I'm the chief of all sinners. What? Oh, man, I hate that I do what I don't want to do. Like, oh, that sounds like hypocrisy. Yeah, Paul's a human as well, just as we are. And so as I get to some, like, application, like, what do we do with just a, just a hypocritical mess, you know? Where do we go? I do want to just point out that hypocrisy does run deep. It doesn't just magically rid itself from our lives. Like, my beliefs don't just automatically become convictions. Like, they, they, they might occasionally. But what's happening here, I think, is actually pretty, pretty beautiful what Paul's willing to do for his brother, Peter. One, one of the things that I think we need to take from this text is I need Paul's in my life. Like, I don't just need the Apostle Paul and his word for my life. I need a Paul-like figure in my life or multiple. But we live in this individualistic, isolationist culture. <laughs> That's like my default then is hypocrisy and like uh, no one really is even close enough to sniff the hypocrisy on me. And even if they can smell it, because they're not close enough, they don't have the position in my life to say it to my face. What everyone knows is true. And what I maybe know is true too or fail to admit or don't even know is true. I don't have anybody in my life that can tell me, hey, you claim to be a Christian. You've deviated, don't you think? <laughs> in a gentle way, in a way that magnifies Christ, in a way that doesn't, it's not them removing the, the speck in my eye when they got a log in theirs. But, but frankly, I, as the person with the speck, I, I want someone with a log to be able to like even take out the speck. Specs even hurt, you know? Because you're not going to find somebody in, in this life that has no specs in their eyes. And so, yeah, I'm telling you, get around a bunch of other hypocrites and talk openly with each other. That will serve you well in life, especially as you try to align your life with your beliefs about the gospel. Hypocrisy, I think, is kind of like Subway, like the smell from Subway, you know? <laughs> we only had Subway and Pizza Hut in my town growing up, and so it's like, I had a lot of Subway. But I'll never forget what my mom said about Subway. It's like, you cannot, if you eat Subway and you take it in your car, you just smell like Subway the rest of the day, for sure. Hypocrisy is kind of like that. Like, it's kind of tough for me to smell, but you can't not know that I just went to Subway for lunch. Anyways. <laughs> And I'm not saying everyone needs to know. Like, I'm not saying, hey, we're going to have it. Next time, everyone bring your budgets to church. 
and we're just going to pass them down the line and see who's not giving and who's spending too much on themselves. No, I'm not saying everyone, but I am saying, does anybody know? Does anybody in your life have the position to say, I think this looks jacked up. Would you agree? <laughs> Fear of this, of being known is totally normal. Totally normal. It's also total hypocrisy to sing songs in here about how free we are from sin and we don't even feel any freedom to talk about it. Finally, with this, this welcoming Paul's into your life, do you have the courage to call the Peters in your life back to the cross? Do you, do you see that as a skill worthwhile to be cultivated in your life to just magnify Christ to the people that you care about and care about you and love them enough to call them when they're, hey, you're deviating. I, I hope you, you do. I hope you care enough about me to say that to me because I, I believe the same things as you. I believe that it would be very, very good for my life to perfectly align with the gospel. But I need Paul's. I need, I need help. Like we need one another. This is the church. This is the design of God to help us flourish this side of eternity, right? Um, if you're tracking with my application, point one was supposed to be hypocrisy runs deep. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> if, oh my gosh. Oh my, yeah. I'm not even going to acknowledge what just happened in the front. Um, slope. What, what, one more point there. Uh, let me prove this to you. Even a conviction I have. I thought of this during worship. One of the convictions I have is it is a good thing to zip up my zipper after being done in the restroom. <laughs> it's not just a belief. It's like, no, for sure, that's objectively right. Do I still do it every time? No. <laughs> Why? Brokenness is so deep. Like, we are incredibly forgetful, even of our convictions that we're once so sure. God knows this about us. He loves us anyway. Hypocrisy runs deep. Welcome, welcome the Pauls into your life. And finally, and this is where we'll, we'll end, let the gospel period be the loudest thing in your life. I feel like Critter has been pretty repetitive in this sermon series. And I feel like Paul has been pretty repetitive as I've read through the book of Galatians. And I think it's the right thing because of what I just said. I'm forgetful. It is the gospel period. That is what I need. It is Jesus Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. That's what it feels like Paul is saying in a lot of his letters. I mean, even this passage, he's talking so much about faith and what it is to be in Christ. Christ is not just a part of our theology. He is our theology. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is our security. He is our sustenance. He is our joy. Him. Do you know... Oh, man, this is good. I haven't, I've thought about this every day since Sydney said it to me two weeks ago. We were at Dancing with the Stars in Indy in this room full, a way bigger room than this, right? It was really cool. You should go. 
But she said, do you ever just think about how much sin is in this room right now? I was like, no, that's dark and twisted. <laughs> she was like, no, seriously, like the, the broken marriages, the secret sins, the child abuse, the just the sin, just the like things that don't seem wicked to us, even that are actually really wicked if we knew how holy God was. It's like, there is a ton of sin in this room right now. Not in us, you know, not us, but everyone else here, I'm sure. <laughs> it, it's a sobering thought. The follow-up thought to that, though, is like, do you know how insane that actually makes the grace of Jesus then? You know how shocking the gospel actually is that he could save this entire room with what he did on the cross? Either Jesus' death on that cross means absolutely everything, or it means nothing at all. That's what Paul says. If righteousness comes from the law, then Christ died for nothing. That event in history was as pointless as everything else in history, because when we die, there's nothing, and what are we even doing here? You've got to make a decision about that. And Paul desperately wants Peter's life to help others come to the conclusion that Christ is everything, not nothing. And to put your hope in anything else is the wrong thing. The largest gap that exists in my life, the gap between me and God, has been filled by Jesus. The largest gap that remains is the gap that exists between my belief in that and my ability to adhere to that crazy reality. And I need Jesus to actually fill that gap too. Hypocrisy, I, I th thought as I was preparing this, like I was like, man, may maybe hypocrisy will kill us. So I realized that, that is not what this text says at all. Hypocrisy won't kill you. It can't kill you. Paul says, if you believe the gospel, you already died. And now your life is hidden with Christ and God. Hypocrisy will impact our ability to get the gospel to more people in this city. I'm not saying rampant, unchecked hypocrisy does not matter and won't have any impact on the health of Embassy Church 20 years from now. Certainly it will. That's why we're talking about it. That's why Paul even says anything to Peter. Wouldn't it have been nice? Paul was just like, ah, grace. I'll just let that go unchecked. Doesn't matter. No. Paul later in Corinthians says, I don't even judge myself. Why? Because if the gospel is true, then the verdict's been rendered. I'm no longer in the courtroom. I had my day of trial. It was the cross. And now I'm totally free. Why do I keep putting myself back in the courtroom? There's a subtle difference, I think, be between trying to make God f the first thing in my life and, like, I know there's this hole that exists and I want to put him there, and so I almost try to, like, lasso him in there. Like, there's, that's, like, not the wrong motivation. But there's a big difference between that and just, like, letting him be first place. Like, 
there's still me in that, trying to like work him into the picture of my life, and I'm ultimately still kind of God in that scenario. There's a huge difference between me trying to put him first and me just realizing that he is first. He is everything. I'll end with this. George Mueller, who was a super godly guy, um, did a ton, at thousands of orphans and millions of dollars, um, all on prayer. Someone asked him one time, what's the secret to your effectiveness in ministry? And he said, you want to know the secret? <laughs> there was a day when I died, utterly died. Died to George Mueller, his opinions, his preferences, his tastes, his will. Died to the world and its approval and censure. Died to the approval or blame even of my brothers and friends. And since then I've studied only to show myself approved unto God. In summary, George Mueller said, because of Christ... God approves of me, and that has made all the difference in how I've been able to live my life. Let me pray that we would understand that more this morning. Jesus, um, thanks for Paul. Thanks for this confrontation in Galatians. Thanks for, <clears throat> yeah, just this insight into hypocrisy and what it is, and we know it can be detrimental, and we know that, frankly, we're full of it in God. We know that you love us despite it, and you will certainly take the reins and help us uh, to deviate less from the thing that I hope that the majority of this room believes is the central thing of importance, and that is that nothing can save us except what you did on that cross 2,000 years ago. God, I pray that we would just sit in, in that for a second, just looking at you. Jesus on the cross. Lord, it's a historical fact that that happened. And so the question is, does it mean nothing or does it mean everything? And God, I know in my heart of hearts that it means everything. Thank you for revealing at least that to me. God, I pray that you would reveal that to more people and you'd help me live my life in such a way that it would say the right thing about that event and that moment and what that means for the other people in my life that don't, don't know you, that don't know where justification comes from, that think maybe Christianity is like every other religion that says you can just work for salvation and it be granted to you. God, that's not true. So we thank you for grace this morning and we just want to sing um, and beg you to change us more. We love you. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.